What if you could be doing something smarter with your money that creates income now? If you're wanting to get ahead financially and enjoy greater freedom of choice, if you want a comfortable retirement and you know you'll have more choices if you can do more with your money now, if you've wondered who else is creating ways to make their money work for them and you want actionable ideas with honest pros and cons and no fluff, welcome to the Richer Geek Podcast. We're here helping people find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. I'm Mike Stoller, and in this podcast, you'll hear from others who are already doing these things and learn how you can too. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Richer Geek Podcast. Today, we're going to get into some uh, strategic risk alternatives as far as. Um, you know, helping us save some money for those unexpected times, you know, that especially what we've gone through the last three years. But I'm uh, excited to get in and talk a little bit about with this with uh, Clay Ogden. There's Ogden or Ogden? Ogden. Ogden. And he is a uh, plant administrator. And if you, everyone wants to look, it's 831B.com. We're going to talk a little bit about 831Bs, if you can imagine that. How you doing, bud? Doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So, you know, take us back a little bit about why this is important. Um, you know, we've all had business interruption, my God, um, you know, ever since, you know, late 2019, early 2020. So uh, give us the rundown on uh, some of the risks that you're seeing and why it's very important to do something like this. Yeah. So, I mean, some of the some of the things that we work with on business owners in any and every industry that you can think of, we have clients around the country and they're, you know, essentially what the 831B allows the business owner to do is to take excess revenues, excess funds out of their business and set it aside into their, their 831B, their reinsurance company. In doing so, all the funds that they set aside become tax deductible to their business in the year they contribute them. Hmm. Well, now we're to legitimize those funds being set aside, we're now issuing policies for the uncommon, unforeseen, uninsured risks in a business. As you said, the business interruption type stuff, right? Mm -hmm. I think every business owner now realizes that there's a lot of gaping holes and a lot of things that they're left to cover. And, you know, the, the business interruption type policies are essentially they're very costly to a business, especially when cash flows dry up and expenses continue. Uh, that's a that's a that's a bad day. And so, we work with business owners to allow them to take those excess revenues, set them aside, to now manage these very same risks that they're they're owning. They're self insured right now, right? So mm -hmm. we're going to set those excess funds aside into an eight thirty one B to now manage those exact same risks more efficiently. Right. We start looking at things like brand and reputation damages, uh, a business interruption type policy, uh, political risk events, political decisions being made that ultimately have a big impact on a business, uh, supply chain interruptions, audits, disputes brought against the business, um, you know, data breach issues with ransomware and phishing Um we start looking at all these various policies that ultimately come back to the business owner to 
bear the brunt of and technically self-insure right now. And so if there's a, a more efficient way to handle those very same risks, that's what this is for. Now, given that you've seen a lot of risk in, in the last three or so years, um, is it all inclusive? You know, the things that I run into sometimes with insurance is, uh, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, well, that's not covered. Or this is, a you know, you, you, the fine print and things like that. Is, is there anything that, you know, I set up an 831B. Uh, Everyone knows that I own hotels. Um, someone comes, riots, crashes through, and, you know, it closes me down for a couple months. Or another type of COVID. Are, is it, what is business interruption? You know, I know you had some of the stuff, but... Is everything covered or is it for some, just the major stuff? No, I mean, it would, it would be to any business that's had a decrease in revenues mm -hmm. to an event outside of their control, right? Whether that's a, an act of God, um, maybe a, a good example is the hurricane in, in, mm -hmm. uh, in Florida a couple weeks ago, right? There's a, there's a very real possibility that a lot of those businesses are still standing. Like their business, it's essentially wasn't taken to the ground, mm -hmm. but everything around them is decimated. Everyone is rebuilding. Everyone is displaced from their home or their business. They're going to have a loss in revenue this quarter due to that event. Their business didn't get wiped out, so they don't really have a, a way to file a claim, but they are going to lose revenue. And that's just mm -hmm. something as a business owner, everyone that owns a business knows that that's just quote unquote, part of doing business and you just mm -hmm. deal with it, right? Well, there's a better way to manage those those same risks, right? And it's to be able to set those funds aside to build up a reserve or have policies in place to now manage those types of issues if and when they come up. Mm -hmm. And do you have to, can I just pay into this insurance? Do I have to create or or is it, are you guys the like the captive insurance uh company or do i create something and put into it How yeah, does so it... We, no it's a great question so i mean anytime we bring on a client we're going to set up the 831b for them mm -hmm. we're going to manage it for them uh, we're going to do all the tax returns the annual filings anything like that we're going to dictate or tell them what they can set aside so under the 831B, you can set aside up to 2.45 million per year based off of gross revenues. That's the ceiling, the maximum amount into an 831B. We will allow up to 10 to 15% of gross revenues that can be set aside. Okay. Yeah, that's that's the other question I was going. Now, what happens uh in five years or 10 years? I've got all this money in there and and I get out of the hotel business or there's nothing. Can I get that money back or how does that work? Get a loan? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the funds that you're setting in there, right? You're setting into your own 831B. They're going to be in an account in the name of your own 831B reinsurance company. Mm -hmm. uh, the funds that are not used for claims purposes, they remain inside your 831B. They're being deferred. When those policies are issued, those policies oftentimes are going to be 12 month periods of time, just like a, a homeowner's policy, mm -hmm. right? We issued a policy now for November 1, ending on December or October 31st of 2023. That 12 month period of time, the funds that you put in now are going to be at risk of a claim. 
while that policy is in place. Once that policy expires, those dollars now earn out or become surplus. And now you can, yes, you can absolutely take dividends out of there. Dividend those funds back to you as the shareholder. And now you're taking those out as a long-term capital gain instead of ordinary income. You have the option to borrow from or take a shareholder loan or a line of credit from those dollars that are now available. You can borrow up to 65% of those dollars. And then any principal and interest payments on that that loan are going to be actually made back to your own reinsurance company. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, you're absolutely going to have risk coverages in place to now manage these risks that, you know, if they come up, it's never a great day. But if you have the ability to pull those funds back into the business to level cash flows, if and when needed, a lot of our clients have had that that instance over the last few years. And it's been a, it's been a game changer. And like 501Cs do it. Is it just public? Is it, what is anyone can do it? If you, if you have a small business. Um, so typically these programs have been used by fortune 500 companies, large enterprises for the last, you know, 30, 40 years. Mm-hmm. We we've built our program to work with the small to mid market business owner so that okay. they can have access to these, these very same planning tools mm-hmm. that the the large companies have been using for decades. And is there such thing as like a, a group captive company? Um, if I own, if I'm involved in a franchise, I own five different choice hotels. Is it something that I have to do individually or is it something that there's also some like group that we can kind of pull our money together um, or even if they're like non-related organizations, but is there, is there such thing as like a group? Uh, know? Potentially. Yes. Uh, there, there is different scenarios there where we could look at something like that. Typically a, a group captive is actually going to be utilized for things like work comp, general liability, property, auto coverages, when those premiums are pretty substantial. Uh, but otherwise, you know, the, this would, absolutely be applicable for anyone who's involved in a, in a scenario like that, but they have their own revenues from their own businesses that they own. And a lot of the times those are, those revenues are flowing to maybe a holdings company mm-hmm. and therefore that holdings company and all the other businesses they own are now the insureds under policies that they own. The benefit there is the fact that now that it's owned by you and you're not part of a group is when you want to take dividends, you want to take loans, you want to put funds in, you have the ability to do that. And it's not dependent upon a group to make that okay or not okay. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I was trying to get at is, um, you know, if you're a very small business, you may not be able to afford it. You know, it's, I put in 10% of my gross, my gross isn't that big, but you know, collectively yeah. maybe we can um, get into a plan where we kind of share it. Uh, I, I understand we may not be able to take it out, um, but uh, yeah, that that was uh, it's a very interesting. Now, the government loves to regulate. Um, what are you seeing in the future? You know, today's election day. Everyone, you know, the, the it's uh, uh, the eighth of November when this is being recorded. So depending on what's going on and, you know, with the regulations, what are you seeing down the road? Um, 
any changes, anything that we need to know about uh, as far as people wanting to tax it now, you know, or uh, tax it differently when you get it out? Uh, no, not necessarily. I mean, capital gains rates have been the same for the last 40 something years. And this has been a piece of the tax code since 1986. Mm. It's very well entrenched at this point in time. Um, there's like 90% of Fortune 500 companies utilize captives. They use these types of programs. Mm-hmm. And so it's becoming a much more um, used or I guess leaned on capability for those small to mid-market business owners to mm-hmm. now manage those risks that a lot of them are identifying that they have. Uh, and if they have the ability to have some excess cash flows in given years, you know, this is, it's not a fit for everybody. Um, but it is something that a lot of business owners absolutely should look at as a, as a planning tool. So it's, I mean, it's a, it's a risk management vehicle first and mm-hmm. foremost that provides some tax efficiencies along the way. And is it always uh, considered like a long-term, even though like, let's say I, I go with you and boom, COVID hits this winter and I haven't paid into it for a year or, you know, or two years. Is it always considered a a long-term? Yeah. So anytime, anytime premiums are paid, policies are issued, right? So if we, if we have a client that's putting premiums in now, and we issue policies for the next 12 months, mm-hmm. those policies are in place for the next 12 months. Next year, when we go to renew those policies, and maybe they've had a down year for whatever reason, they decide not to fund any premiums into their 831B next year. They wouldn't have any coverages for the next 12 months, right? Oh. So kind of like having homeowner's insurance or, or auto insurance. You know, if you pay it, you have coverage, but, you know, if you if you get in the wreck, Now's not the time to go buy the insurance. It's that's what that's already happened. <laughs> right. So what kind of um people are always trying to take advantage of this, you know, and I'm always kind of looking at you know, what kind of um fraud or something that you you know you guys are seeing uh or abuse for these type of policies for people to sit there and say, hey, look, don't do this because the IRS might sit there and say, Hey, wait a minute you know, um, we need to look into this. So is there any type of uh, abuse that you're seeing, you know, that we need to pay attention to? That's an excellent question. I'm glad you brought it up. So there's, uh, you know, since it's been around for so long, there has been a lot of abuses that have gone on, right? It's something that's been around for a long time now. And like most everything, there's a right way to do it and there's a wrong Mm -hmm. way to do it. And some of the abusive scenarios that have gone on for sure over the last 20, 30 years is, you know, client or business owners overfunding relative to the risk that they have or their revenues that they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there was a court case that came out about three and a half years ago now, and the client funded 70% of their gross revenues into their 831B. I mean, it seems like common sense that you're no longer managing risk. You're simply sheltering dollars, Right. And so it's those kinds of things. It's the, you know, we've, we've seen insurance managers out there that have allowed clients to pay premiums in December. They've backdated policies to January of that year. And those dollars now become that surplus or earned out that we talked about in Mm -hmm. three or four weeks time in January, because they claim that they were, you know, they had policies in place all year. That's, 
I mean, that is very fishy. It is very much common sense. You don't do those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so under the 831B, there's what's called a four-part test. You have to have a transfer of risk. You have to have a distribution of risk. It has to be fortuitous types of risk. And then the last one is making sure that you're following the principles of insurance, making sure that you have policies issued that have policy language stating what's covered, what's not covered, utilizing the law of large numbers. Um, that's everything that we do on our side. Uh, and so we, you know, we take a very conservative approach to the 831B mm-hmm. simply because, you know, we really like what we do and we love working with business owners in every arena uh, to help them run their businesses more efficiently. So, yeah, because it it seems like some people would say, oh, hey, this could be just another way for me to do a tax shelter. You know, if they're, uh, you know, if they're not careful, it's like, oh, yeah, I can take how many d- d- different types of buckets can I pay into mm-hmm. and use it as like a tax shelter. So is there any of that type of stuff that we have to worry about? Or is it, I know it's a legitimate tax shelter. It does that, but it's for a certain type of uh, function. Yeah, um, yeah no, 100%. So, I mean, there's, you know, the IRS is, they're actually trying to clean up the abusive scenarios that have gone on. And so kind of one of those was uh, they had a client that set aside 70% of revenue. They filed a claim. The insurance manager approved it. They pulled the money out of their own business accounts. It wasn't sitting in their captive accounts or their 831B accounts. They had an employee signed for it. It's those kinds of things that that's not how this works. Inside of this program, you're sending the premiums to our frontline insurance company, our direct rider. Our direct rider is going to issue you policies, just mm-hmm. like you were sending premiums to State Farm or Travelers or Zurich mm-hmm. or and it, but it's not, right. and, and right. I want to tell, um, make sure our, our listeners know this is not a type of life insurance that you're putting into. It's no, completely no. different. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's basically a a way to take those you know reserves from the company, mm-hmm. set them aside into a, a separate entity that we're going to form for the client. We're going to manage for the client. And anything and everything related to that 831B is what we're going to do as the 831B administrator. And how so. much uh, control do would I have or how much control do you guys have as far as, uh, you know, that policy or maybe filling gaps in the policy? Um, you know, how much control do I have? And we're we're going to work with the client to make sure that, you know, I was actually on a call earlier this morning and talking with a a business owner, discussing some of the risks that keep them up at night, some of the things that simply aren't covered by their insurance. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we were talking through those scenarios, talking about what what policies they have now and what policies we currently have that would help fill those gaps or cover those those uninsured risks. And if there's any, you know, endorsements we need to put on those or maybe a something that we need to tweak to make sure that we are covering those those uninsured risks in the business. And so those are things that we collaborate with with the client on to make sure that, yeah, we're, we're setting dollars aside to cover real risks. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, that's what this is for. If those funds aren't used for claims in that policy period, it's totally fine. I mean, there's not everyone 
you know, if you if you knew you were going to have a claim, no one would insure you for anything. <laughs> right. uh, but if something comes up, it's nice to know that it's there when you need it. And and that's that's what's important. Um, now, if I have four or five different hotels or four or five different McDonald's, anything, mm-hmm. do I is is it the the holding company that does the insurance, or does each franchise have it? How does it work? As far as do I need five policies if I have five different storefronts or just one big one? That's a good good question. So we could actually we would we could potentially invoice uh, each of those entities or each of those businesses for premiums if they were going to contribute. Mm-hmm. All of them were going to contribute premiums toward these policies, uh, or we could invoice the holdings company and add all of those uh, franchises on as additional insureds on those policies. Mm-hmm. Uh, both, both are very doable. It just kind of depends on how how we work with the client to make sure it's structured, you know, based on how, you know, they're going to take and, and issue premiums from each of those companies or not. Okay. Now, uh, as far as the fee structure, I'm sure it's a transparent fee structure. Um, yeah. What type of administrator type fees are we looking at um, the, you know, the ongoing, the setup and, and all that sort of stuff, but is there uh is it just a, a, like an administrative maintenance type of a fee? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's so under the 831 B most of the time, these programs cost 30 to 80 grand to set up mm-hmm. and like 30 to 80 grand a year to maintain them. And then capital requirements due to the domicile and fees for returns and filings and all that stuff. And it honestly becomes very cost prohibitive for that small to mid-market business owner to entertain the idea of using this. Mm-hmm. And so we built our program to fit that exact model. And so it's $5,000 to form the reinsur- the 831B year one. Each calendar year thereafter, it's a $6,000 annual maintenance fee. Any mm-hmm. of the, the tax returns... Uh, the annual filings, any you know, claims handling, loans, dividends, all all part of, you know, the annual maintenance fee. Okay, very uh, good. Yeah, the in, the industry as a whole oftentimes calls it a seeding fee. We call it a retained liability fee. And so, mm-hmm. when a client puts new premiums in, we we retain a percentage of those dollars going in as our fee, uh, and then we also share in the risk when claims take place. What kind of uh... If you could real quickly, what kind of uh, risks are involved in the transaction? Uh, is there any foreseeable, you know, hey, I'm going to do this. I might need it. And then can something happen? You know, what kind of risks are involved in the actual transaction? Um, there, we, So you, you do have to file what's called a, an 8886 filing. It's basically a, a transaction of interest. So mm-hmm. the, the IRS is asking, you know, if you're involved in it or not, um, those are prepared for the shareholders of the reinsurance company. They're prepared for the business that's take, you know, that's contributing premium. They're also prepared for the 831B itself. Uh, we will prepare all of those. Um, honestly, we we view that as a not a bad thing because we're we're very transparent in what we do and how our program works, and uh, we're we're okay with you know disclosing how we're doing it and why we're doing it. And because do you have to have like a third party administrator in doing the 831Bs? 
I can't do it on my own. I can't just set up something. Do you have to have the third party? Yes. Yeah. You, you need to use, use an 831B administrator. So, yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Cause when you're, you kind of touched on the fact that we can't touch it and then want to make yeah. sure that we can't. Yeah, the funds can't be used for anything other than claims purposes in that first 12 months, but they can be either put in, uh, you know, like a bank account held in cash where they can be liquid investments. So things like stocks, bonds, mutual funds, mm -hmm. ETFs, anything that's liquidable within two to three business days to pay a potential claim. Do you have any stories in the last three years? I'm sure you've had some people, uh, any stories where you've saved a business, you know, you've, you've really helped them out in the last couple of years. Oh yeah. Now we've got countless examples of business interruption uh you know people in the dental industry that were closed down for six to 14 weeks they were deemed non-essential mm. um we had a, a client that was uh in the medical profession he performed a, a pretty niche procedure had a, a medical issue and was dealing with chemo and radiation mm. and uh was going to be out for a minimum of 20 weeks and had to you know, that's that's just a, a massive interruption to the business that's going to be a loss of roughly 75% of their revenues. Uh, you know, they filed a claim under their key employee to hire someone to fill the void while this individual was out uh, dealing with, you know, things that nobody wants to deal with. Yeah. Um, supply chain interruptions have hit every industry, it seems like, mm -hmm. uh, whether people have not gotten product or they got it late. And so they were hit with penalties and fees on their contracts because they were unable to perform, um, you know, in the, in the development world, in the home building world, commercial construction, you know, mm. loss of everything has gone through the roof. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, there's endless stories of businesses being able to file claims to pull funds out of their 831B to now, make up for that, that dip in cash flow that they've had. So. Yeah. Well, I wish I'd learned about this a couple of years ago, you know, when some of, some of the hotels were down to 8% occupancy, 10% occupancy, you know, but, but luckily we were in States that were allowed to stay open. Yeah. You know, so it helped us, but I can't imagine people in some of the States where they're, guess what? You have to close down. Oh, and guess what? You, you stole your mortgage. Um, it's just yeah. just absolutely horrible, but uh, you know, it's it sounds like just a wonderful thing that, that I don't think any of us has ever heard of. Um, and again, everybody, it's eight thirty one b dot com, and you know, if you have a, a small business or mid sized business, and thank you for doing that, you know, instead of just the Fortune five hundreds, um, a lot of a lot of companies say, hey, there's not enough money in the small and mid mid tier businesses. Uh, but I do think that we're the lifeblood of the American economy. 100%. And, uh, you know, everybody, this 831B, um, it will help us weather the storm. So if you're interested, uh, please give Clay a call. It's 831B.com. How else can people find you? Uh, our, I, I, I think our website's probably the best option. You can contact our team on there. You contact myself. Uh, our website is, a, is an excellent resource for information about our program, information about the 831B in general. Uh, our team is extremely knowledgeable about how these
programs work and how they should be structured. Uh, and, you know, at the end of the day, we're here to we're here to help the business owners that, you know, maybe haven't heard of this or have looked at this and maybe it was too expensive. Mm -hmm. our, our average clients somewhere around a million gross revenue to 75 million gross revenue. It's a pretty big spread. But, you know, we have a lot of 10, 20, 15, $5 million business owners in our, in our program. So. Yeah. And, you know, I think all, a lot of us can relate to, you know, that COVID-19 was just a very hard lesson. A lot of us tried to get business interruption claims. Uh, we were denied um, because, you know, they're considered indirect losses and all the language. Uh, everybody, this is just a, a great way because, look, as Clay was saying, don't wait until it happens. Get this plan. It's 831B.com. Get this plan to address COVID 2.0 or 3.0, or if you're in the hurricane area, um, it's like any insurance, you know, it's like having your alarm system at home, you know, you don't wait till after you're broken into, you do it as, as, uh, something that'll help you in the future. So, uh, Clay, I appreciate you coming out. Uh, you can probably find Clay on uh, LinkedIn Yep. and uh, against 831b.com. Clay, thank you so much for coming on the Richard Geek Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Richer Geek Podcast, where we're helping others find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. For today's show notes, including all the links and resources from our show and more information about our guests, visit us at www.therichergeek.com slash podcast. And don't forget to jump over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button. Share with others who could benefit from listening. And leave a rating and review to get the podcast in front of more eyes. I appreciate you, and thanks for listening.